0: And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Bud Elliott. That's Tom Fernelli. I'm Chip Patterson. Getting your weekend started right with the big old bag of mail. A reminder, if you want to submit a question for the mailbag, the best way to do it is by leaving us a five-star review. And then in that review, put your mailbag question. As you will hear in some of today's questions, the, the listeners know the deal so far. They're, they're really fast-forwarding to uh, through the pleasantries and the platitudes. But hey, you know, the, the the, the love, the comments, uh, we, we still um, we still want to hear it. So what do you like? What do you not like? But make it five stars and uh, make the question uh, sharp, snappy, and, and lead to some good discussion. Uh, you will find yourself in a future mailbag episode. Before we get started into the mailbag questions for today, I wanted to take just a, just a hot minute because, you know, we give you these mailbag episodes Friday morning, first thing when you wake up, and just to pull the curtain back, that means that they are, I mean, they're not recorded at 2 a.m. on Friday morning, you know, so we're sitting here right now on Thursday in this just awash of tweets, And Instagram posts. I mean, it is just coming from all over the place. Because the NIL era is here. We talked about NIL Eve earlier in the week. And so, you know, whether it's uh, the Bo Nicks coming out with some sweet tea, whether it's Spencer Rattler with a very thoughtful statement about how he's going to... Focus on his academics, and and I'm not trying to belittle this next part, and give some of the proceeds from his NIL earnings to underserved communities. Congratulations, you get your uh, Community Service Award. Um, You know, Mackenzie Milton is going to have an NFT auction coming up here in uh, just a little bit. What sort of stands out uh, to you all, either on an individual level with a, a player or a sponsorship, or, or maybe on a broader level? As we've seen, starting at midnight, like at twelve oh one, we started seeing all these uh, all these endorsements really start to pop up. Uh, how? What? What are our thoughts here? The first hours of the NIL era.
1: It's been over ten hours, and Dabo's yet to resign.
0: <laughs> he did say in twenty fourteen. In 2014, he said, "If you perfect, if you do this, then I'm gonna, uh, I'm I'm gonna go somewhere
2: else." Yeah, he said
1: he would quit if it ever
2: got to the point where players were paid. Now, Clemson folks are all up on Twitter. You know, they're 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 caping for him and they're saying he meant like if they're paid by the school, not nil. And I guess Dabo's had some comments that are pro nil since then, but he has he did say it. He's
0: he he's allowed to. Uh, it's we are we does, are
1: all allowed to revisit our positions,
0: and he's and he is uh, allowed to revisit his position to change his opinion. But we are given the opportunity to at least make these jokes. Yes, you said those things. We are allowed to make these jokes now that the NIL era is here. I I found a lot of joy in it. Like I don't I don't know why. Um, I mean, I think it maybe is just exciting to see. Uh, everything finally come to fruition for these athletes and seeing how many of them are taking advantage of these opportunities and how many of them seem to have their, like, whether it's a team of advisors, supporters, whether it's university, I don't know from player to player, but it seems like a lot of people, I I don't know a better way to say, it just have their stuff together. Right. I mean, it seems like it's not just like a totally loose off the wall renegade type operation.
2: I think that's what the NCAA and the schools want you to think it is in large part. So they get federal legislation that caps what these guys can make. They want you to think um, that
0: it's like loose and wild and needs to be regulated because what I've seen so far. I think they want
2: a bailout from Congress. Okay. I I think they want it to appear that way and have like the negative news stories pop up that way. Congress will, will act and Congress will probably write something that is more restrictive than what a lot of the schools want to actually put their name on, but then they could say, Oh, look, you know, Congress said you can't use our logo. Congress said you can't do this. Congress said you can't be compensated above market value. All those kind of things.
0: But the schools are... He- like The LSU hype video for NILSU was awesome. And it was like, oh, yeah. we are going to be behind like our gymnasts that are going to be able to go and get these endorsement deals on their Instagram following. You know, all the... Um, it- it seems as though a lot of these universities are jumping behind these players and being able to uh, help them go capitalize on What was the Derek came by? To
2: be for recruiting. Yeah. There's do- no doubt. Okay. I, I guess what I'm saying is like, they're going to try to maximize under whatever set of rules there are. But if it appears that it's just pure chaos and they get Congress to act and to write a restrictive set of rules, that does mean that more sponsorship money will continue to go to schools and not players, which is ultimately probably what they want. But under the current facts, they have to for recruiting purposes and image purposes support their players in whatever way possible because if they don't then i guarantee you they're going to get negatively recruited pretty hard on the trail uh you know for not trying to get their guys as much money as they possibly can
0: Derek king uh miami quarterback has a college hunks hauling junk endorsement deal that included a a reported twenty thousand dollar signing bonus um so shout out to you mr king i haven't seen a lot of other uh, dollar values float around i know there was like a There's a Fresno state women's basketball player with big Instagram following has also been able to, to get in on the twins. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, They're going to have a huge deal.
0: And so, you know, do you all see this as being something that so far has seemed pretty organized and and not the um, awful doomsday type scenarios that many of the um, people standing against NIL uh, were trying to tell us it would be.
1: I mean, we're 10 hours in who knows. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It's like I, I think that a lot of people are doing the thing that they do where everything's either great or it's the worst thing that's ever happened. And I tend to fall in the camp that it's probably going to be fine and for some people it'll be better than others and for some it's probably not going to be good at all some will be some will fall victim to something along the way and then those will get held up as examples of why this should have never happened but then some will make a lot of money and those will get held up as examples of why it should have always happened and blah 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 yada 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 at the end of the day i'm not going to care that much honestly i mean that's kind of the way i've reacted to it this morning I've, i've laughed at like the one the one tweet from a the michigan like whose name i we talked about before the show whose name i've already forgot matthew Coglin, who tweeted uh an advertisement for a michigan state podcast i thought that was funny i'm happy to see that some like Derek king's getting the money i'm happy i think the sweet tea deal's funny but i mean i don't care like good get what you're getting i'm happy that you're getting it but i'm not going to be i can't say i'm going to be
2: spending too much time worried about who's getting what leave it at that okay yeah i, I the same i mean like I'm only interested in who's getting what because I, I, I'm interested in gauging what the market is mm-hmm. and it's it's new. So there's a novelty element to it. You know, if if you know Nick's bow in ten years, a new Auburn quarterback gets another Milo sweet tea deal, um, I'm not gonna care. Mm-hmm. Right. Unless he like unless he hits some kind of crazy round number, you know, the, the first guy to make a million off it or something like that, perhaps we'll we'll talk about it. This, if one school was finding a way to just blow the doors off everybody else, as far as how much advertising dollars they get that school related, that's potentially on field related. We'll probably talk about that. I mean, you know, if Deer King or Mackenzie Milton signs yet another deal. It's cool. Like we'll talk about it over summer, but ultimately I agree with Tom. Like I don't think fans care about the individual deals all that much.
1: Okay. Yeah. Like I'll, from another, like a fan perspective, I will say this too, as far as one reason to care about this. There is, I'm not going to name him, but there is a recruit, a high school recruit right now who has been down to like a group of final four schools. And Illinois is one of the schools. And there had been like, you know, a lot of talk about two schools that he was very interested in who seemed to be the favorites. But as we've approached July 1st, those two schools happen to reside in states that haven't really passed NIL laws yet. And now it is seen as those two schools have completely fallen out of the race. And the other two schools who were kind of seen as being in third and fourth are in states that have NIL laws in place and all that kind of stuff. And now that player is probably moving those to his top two. So that's the way I'm interested in it as a fan. If it's impacting like directly players that my school might get.
2: Even though the NCAA yesterday waived it and said, hey, you can do whatever you want. The schools make your own rules, basically. Yeah. Interesting.
0: All right, Mr. Buzz and Kill. I just woke up really happy for these players. I don't, I'm I, happy for the players. I don't, yeah, I don't care about the specific yeah. sponsorships. I'm not going to put together a tracker and look for the money amount or look for the companies and try to like power rank who has the best sponsorship. I don't care about any of that. I'm with you on the individual side. I feel like I've just been uh, overwhelmed with just like wow, this is a this is cool. Like we've been talking about what. The potential is for players, and it just sort of seemed like something that I had uh, created as a hypothetical for the argument, and now it's here. And so I'm very happy for the players. I would I, Joy is my feeling probably more than anything.
1: We'll you know what's to a say, fun episode? Oh, sorry, go ahead, Tom. No, I was just going to say, too, like we, we kind of broached the subject a little bit with the, the twins who play for Fresno State. Like The players who are probably, or the student athletes who are going to be making the most money out of this are probably going to be from non-revenue sports and it's probably going to be the female athletes making more money than most of like the football and basketball players. For the most part, there's always going to be a couple big names that are making it. But like, if you just look at the quote unquote influencer economy in general on Instagram, it tends to be overly female. Mm -hmm. And you know, we can do the math in our heads as to why that's the case. So I think it's the female athletes who are going to be really benefiting from this more than anybody else.
0: What were you going to say?
2: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I also think that the male compensation will track more closely with how good the player is perceived to be. Mm-hmm. Um, just l- looking at some of these rankings. Uh, I, I guess one thing I, I am interested in NIL. Let's think back about which schools and scandals would not have been a big deal at all. If NIL had been, had been around somebody
0: right? pitched uh, I saw on Twitter, somebody Ohio pitched, state. Yeah. The Jim Trestle.
2: Sure. Yeah. Um, what about Marvin Austin? Like, you now there was some agent stuff involved there, but like, him flying down to Miami, all that kind of stuff, probably not that big of a deal. The tenant rate, um, baby. What? What? What about FSU and Foot Locker? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, you don't think Foot Locker, if they're willing to pay to give these guys shoes for nothing, would be willing to give these guys shoes? To promote the the local you know, local branch of Foot Locker there. Um, there's so many of these that are just absolutely trivial over the years that schools got got run up for, and players were villainized, and and just, um, you know, I Todd Gurley. Right. Okay. And I I was at SB Nation when when the Todd Gurley thing went down. And I remember Spencer Hall and Kirk and Godfrey and those guys getting that email. And they basically told the guy to piss off. And instead of writing about Todd Gurley, they wrote about the guy who was trying to dime him out, right? which was great. And, you know, a a lot of reporters, I think, supported that. And a couple of kind of the NCAA water carriers were really shaming them. And then now, seven years later, uh, I think one side was on the right side of history.
0: Yeah, uh, people still telling on themselves this morning, uh, on mm-hmm. July 1st, waking up, and this is what you've decided to say. Okay, um, let's start with a recruiting question from the big old bag of mail. This one is from Jake. Dear Cover 3 Pod, first off, shout out to Tom and Chip, as I'm also a member of the CFB and European Soccer Fandom Venn Diagram Second, I'm a Tennessee fan and hopeful for the Josh Heupel era, although I am nervous that he does not have much SEC recruiting experience. My question is, are there head coaches that are able to improve their recruiting abilities? Also, are there examples of head coaches not being good recruiters, but hiring the right staff that can recruit well? Go Tottenham and go Vols, Jake. P.S. I expect Tom to make a joke about how the current coaching search at Tottenham, which is now done, and the 2017 Tennessee coaching search.
1: I mean, Tottenham and Tennessee, you poor, <laughs> poor bastard. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: What What is Tottenham all about?
1: Like, uh, they're, they're great at being thinking they're great, or like thinking they're one of the big clubs, and at least being, they're located in London, so they make plenty of money. It's just, there's they they can't compete with the real big clubs.
0: <laughs> yeah. They've they go they get invited to the same dinner parties, but they get the worst seat at the table. Yeah.
2: They're at the end of the table. Right. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Do they we, have unrealistic expectations though about where they should sit at the table?
0: Yeah. Uh
1: some do. I think it's probably the same as that like a lot of Tennessee fans have unrealistic expectations, but a lot of Tennessee fans kind of understand. I think Tottenham's the same way. Although I will say Tottenham at least did get to a Champions League final a couple years ago. But now they literally went through like 19 coaches in their coaching search and were close to hiring about five of them. And now to get too deep in the woods, all of these coaches seemingly have the same agent. So I don't know what's going on there anyways. But yeah, what was the question?
0: (laughs) Uh, The question was about coaches. Can they improve their recruiting abilities? Um, And then are there examples of coaches that have turned around that narrative?
2: I think that you can work on your recruiting abilities some, but once you reach the level of head coach, probably not. Um, you can recognize that you are maybe not the best recruiter, you know, as far as personality, and you hire good guys to put around put around you. Um, like, is Gus Malzahn the best recruiter in the world personally? I don't think so. I think Kevin Steele and, and Travis and a lot of those guys on that staff, Dillingham, you know, they are really good recruiters. So if you recognize that you're more of a, more of a scheme guy more of a ceo guy whatever and maybe not an amazing recruiter dynamic personality type uh, you can compensate around that i'm also interested in the idea it used to be that the idea of you have to win first and then recruits will come that used to really be nonsense you pretty much got recruits based on on hype but at least early on in a coaching tenure however now that I'm looking in, into the data more, and this is clouded because of all the COVID seniors and all this other, other stuff, which good luck parsing an individual variable <laughs> based on the last 18 months. Uh, but I do think that with the early signing period, because you are so neutered in your first like class that you only had in some cases 10 days to put together, uh, and then because of how the early signing period has shifted the calendar to where the more successful schools who didn't fire their coach... They're already recruiting the next year's class and have deep seated relationships with those kids well before you've even taken your new job. Uh, That I don't think that the kind of first full class that you sign has nearly the impact that it used to. And I think this is a good argument to make for patience with new coaches, right? Because you're just, you're much more behind the eight ball now with the early signing period than you ever were before. I mean, you got a lot of schools bringing in, in a whole lot of juniors in November before you're even hired. And I mean, hell, so many schools have a third of their class, half of their class wrapped up by February, whether it's silent commits or, you know, public. Um, Do I have to answer specifically about Hypel here? Cause I don't, I don't have great, uh, I don't have a great feeling for how that's going to go. No, I think I they hired somebody who will score some points and sell some tickets while they try to figure out the NCAA thing. But uh, I, well, he I don't seems think...
0: to, Jake seems to admit that hypo does not come with the reputation of being a good recruiter. Yeah, he's not. Yeah. I mean, and that's not like a SEC recruiting experience. I mean, that even comes from some UCF sides of it where the... Yeah. I mean, he was getting out recruited by Cincinnati.
2: hmm Correct. Also, I mean, they still don't have word on the NCAA thing. and yeah, Which kind of makes sense. Sounds so like cool. they're still interviewing people. So that could last a long time. Much longer than I think people who took that job expected it to.
0: Mm-hmm. Next question comes from Noel in Denver. Hey guys, love the Cover 3 podcast. I enjoy the balance of smart, insightful conversations regarding college football while not taking the subject too seriously to have fun with it. Insert obligatory praise for Chip, Tom, Danny, and Bud, so my question will be read. With the Euros going on right now, I wanted to get your takes on one of the CFB Internet's favorite topics, comparing college football programs or fan bases to international soccer teams. Tom, which school is most like Italy? Which country is most like my school, Florida State? Is there a soccer version of Nick Saban at Alabama? Is England secretly the Michigan of soccer? (sighs) That's good. Um, What are some other good comparisons, past and present? And lastly, who is the Tennessee of Europe? Well, I think we just got the Tennessee of Europe.
2: <laughs> was Tottenham ever good? Like like did they ever have a, a, a big time championship that was maybe the result of them being good and others around them being like implausibly down all at the same time? Tottenham right now
1: is it they've won like, you know, major tournaments and that kind of stuff in their history. But right now what Tottenham is mostly known for is a very long drought. So, you know, there, there's some Tennessee there considering Tennessee was like the first team to win in the BCS era and then hasn't done
0: anything since. Uh for Florida State, I was maybe going to say Germany because, you know, they no, were popping. No, 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 no Because no, I was thinking about the no. art because they were popping and now they're kind of reloading a little bit. Nah. Okay. Nah. Why?
1: <laughs> no offense to Florida State, but you're not Germany. Um, I, I went through, I did a couple comparisons for Florida State. Well, I'll start with Florida State since that was with the question. I have Florida State and USC kind of in the same brand here with, I have them as Spain. Okay, I I think that you know there's there's a period of time in the not so distant past where they were probably like the most dominant force or program like in the sport like Spain not like you know in the last decade was the model country it had the whole tiki taka all that kind of stuff they were winning everything. But, you know, it's kind of lost that edge. Now it's struggling to get it back a little bit. But you still it's not, nobody's really written it off. You just kind of realize it's in a down phase right now and it's fully capable of coming back. So I have Florida State and USC as kind of a Spain. The England-Michigan comparison is dead on. I've mentioned it on the podcast before. I also have England compared to Texas in that it's always talented and it's never as good as you think it should be or everybody wants to believe it is, but then you can never tell if it's just failing expectations because your expectations are too high or not. Mm -hmm. Uh, For Italy, it's Notre Dame. It was once a dominant player, the most dominant, you know, team in the sport went dormant for a little while, but has now changed up its approach in the last few years. And is once again seen as a threat, but it's still just outside the elite. Like it's, it's getting invited to the parties, but it's not really hanging out with the VIP section. Um, for Oklahoma, I came up with Belgium. It's very good in attack. It's very fun to watch. And it's always ranked highly by the ranking systems, but it just can't break through against the top teams to win a title. Uh, for Germany, I got Alabama.
0: Okay. So explain.
1: I mean, just like Germany right now, this year in the euros this week, it's not a typical Germany team. They are in a transition. So it's, it's the comparison maybe doesn't work right now, but Germany soccer is a machine. Like this is just a hiccup by the time the world cup comes around in two years or next year, I guarantee you Germany will be one of the favorites and will be one of the better teams there. It's just the whole system and the process of the way they do it in that country. Like Germany's never bad. It might not win the world cup. It might not win the euros, but it's always going to be one of the favorites to win it. Uh, I have Ohio Does Chip
2: State. know enough about soccer to call you on if, if any of this is BS because like I, I you could be like list any oh, country yeah. out there like all right sounds good okay cool Chip, right. do you I just want to make sure he wasn't trolling us this is great
0: no 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 he's not I mean like I'm okay. I'm following no,
2: I sat down this morning
1: and did this research here buddy so <laughs> uh, Ohio State is France always talented always a threat uh, this one was interesting to me I have Portugal as Clemson as like a, new
0: blood, like
1: Deshaun is Cristiano Ronaldo. No, but kind of like, the, like Portugal's not new blood. It's just, it's a very talented team, but there's always seems to be, like you said, Ronaldo, they're always the, Ronaldo is the focal point of Portugal, kind of like with these Clemson teams, Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence were always the big star, the big focal point of the team. And they were also good enough to carry that team to a national, you know, to a title on their own. But, The fact that there's still a lot of other talented players on the team tends to get lost in the mix. Like Clemson's had a lot of other good players on those Deshaun Watson teams. It's had a lot of good players on Trevor Lawrence teams. If you go through Portugal's lineup right now, yeah, there's Ronaldo. But every single other person on that lineup is typically playing for a top team somewhere in Europe. It's a very talented team. And then finally, the last one I could really think of that made sense. The Netherlands are Wisconsin they found a system that really works well for them and things don't go well when they divert from that system. But at the same time, even at their best, they're always good, but they're never good enough to make you think they're going to win the whole thing. All
0: right. I got one follow-up question on Clemson, Portugal. Would that mean that Pepe is seventh year linebacker, James Galski? Yes, (laughs) (laughs) that
1: is a great comparison.
0: If Pepe's still out there playing high-level European soccer, that's going to be James Skalski in his sixth college football playoff appearance in 2021. For context,
1: but just realize that Pepe at times just thinks he's playing rugby. Just tackles people, grabs (laughs) in coverage. Yeah, can't actually run. Yeah, like when he's beaten, he will just tackle you and he doesn't even <laughs> give a crap he's, he's whatever give me a card give me a red card i don't care i'll just kick you right in the shins
0: <laughs> uh all right great so thank you for putting in the time for that and yes but i, I do feel like i'm at least i'm dialed in enough that he's not totally trolling us uh right. that was a very good breakdown uh all right next question comes from brett guys great podcast i'm a three-year listener blah 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 is it insert more pleasantries <laughs> <laughs> My question is related to the recruiting trail. How is elite talent evaluated? Do those players clearly stand out from everyone else or do you have to look at it under a microscope? From the outside looking in, it seems like all these kids have good builds and elite speed. What is different about the number one player versus number 300? is there even a big difference and how is that decision made? Are there just a few evaluators at each company that have the final say, or is it a collaborative effort by all scouts at a place like 24 seven to agree on what final ranking should look like?
2: That's a really good question. Um, so to the first part, do, do they stand out? Yeah, guys, they, they just pop. It's different. Like even the, the number one guy from the number 300 guy, like even though the 300 guy is a four star, you know, somebody in our top two, four, seven, is a very well cemented four-star type the guys who were like number one who are five stars like they stand out and you know we're gonna have 32 five stars there may be like 35 or 40 guys who we give consideration to but like the top 25 or so of those 32 there's not really a whole lot of argument about should they be a five star there's some argument about where they're going to be slotted you know one two ten whatever in many, in many cases but a lot of it is just seeing these these guys in 3D, and it's it's height, weight, speed, and all of a sudden it's like, wait a second, these two guys are both moving fast. Oh my God, the one guy is moving the same speed; he's 45 pounds bigger, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there are guys who are rated 300 who have similar ceilings to the guy who's rated number five. But kind of like if, if you guys have ever looked into like the bond market, right? You know, you have A-rated or AAA-rated bonds, and you have some of these, you know. Junk bonds. You can still get rich on junk bonds. And I don't want to call four-stars junk bonds, so not not a perfect analogy here. But one of the reasons why you're rated so highly, if you're actually in that top five, is it's the the ultimate, like, how high your ceiling is, but also that your likelihood of reaching that ceiling uh, is much more certain than the guys who are riskier because you're already probably there. I would say, like, the vast majority of our guys who, you know, are five-stars would go and get snaps for most of the schools in FBS right now if they could skip their senior years. Like I just watched Walt, Walter Nolan and Travis Hunter. Travis Hunter would be FSU's best corner today if, as, at 17 years old and would probably start for them at receiver as well. Like Walter Nolan would would start for – it'd be hard for me to think he, there's, not a, there's a team out there he really wouldn't start for on the defensive line. I mean, he looks like Albert Hainsworth. So – You know, just to kind of give – it. those are our number two and number three rated players um, at 24-7 sports. Do we agree on them all? Like, there's a lot of debate. I think there's 14 guys on rankings council. We do a real in-depth job, I think, every single Wednesday for two, three hours looking at kids, discussing kids. Everybody's assigned homework to basically cross-check each other. Hey, I like this. Some days I'll watch one position. Some days I'll, I'll watch another you also talk to the area scout, which is basically, you know, guys are spread out all over the country. And I do think 24-7 does the best job of this, by the way. We actually have dudes in the market who are respected all across the country, whereas other services sometimes uh, they don't. You know, they're just, there's huge holes in terms of somebody. <laughs> so those you know, calls cover, are like,
0: every week? Yeah, it's weekly. I heard legends about some of those. Like there would be certain prospects that Barton would say like this got heated on the call. Like, you know, there are like certain players that you'll stand for. I did not. I thought that was more of like a seasonal. Like, I don't know if it would be once a month or before you update the rankings, but if y'all are constantly working on this every single week, I mean, I I can see why mistakes are not often made.
2: I mean, they're still certainly made, Um, you know, we're, You're only going projection though.
0: I mean, if a player gets better, then you know they got better. If you look
2: at how how the NFL guys do projecting, like they still miss all the time and they have a lot more data to go on uh, than we do. And for the most part, the NFL guys are done growing. You know what I mean? We're still having to project like later growth spurts and who can get a whole lot bigger. It's like no NFL team drafts a guy thinking, Oh, if we can put forty pounds on him, we're good. (laughs) You know. Also, Chip, you got to remember, like they have to go
1: weekly because sometimes players commit to your favorite team, so they've got to figure out how many stars to dock them for doing it.
2: <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> no, What's I, your favorite I, position to evaluate? Um, question. I I like watching I like watching the edge rushers. It's just it's fun, you know. And I will say, like watching everybody back to back to back is at the same position. I have found to be very effective as far as getting the order right within Mm -hmm. the positional rankings. Cause like, if you're watching, you're like, wait a second. Now I'm down here, like the 30th guy I've watched. He looks more like somebody we had up there in the top 12. Like this is somebody I probably need to to stock up or, you know, eh, I don't know, man, this guy looks small on film. Let's text around, see if anybody has an actual like measurement on him that, that is newer. How big is he actually, like he doesn't really pop, you know, why was he here in these rankings? Well, turns out he was a really good freshman player in high school and he's just kind of stuck around uh, like the vestigial tail of the rankings right but like by the senior year does he still deserve to be there you know trying to weed out those type of mistakes for guys who popped early as freshmen but then everybody else who's elite caught and passed them uh, is an important part of culling your rankings to make sure you don't have mistakes in sort of that like you know 200 to 250 range
0: very cool coming up on the other side If Sark can bring Texas back, capital B, back, what does that mean for Texas A&M and sort of the rest of uh, the order of power within the Big 12 and the SEC? Getting into that and more next.
1: Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent.
0: Visit roberthalf.com today. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. it's Superstar Saturday night, holiday style, at one of the most famous tracks in America, Lucas Oil Raceway in Indianapolis. Tony Stewart faces stiff competition from some of the top drivers in the world as he goes for his third straight win. Get ready for some fireworks this Independence Day because it's the Camping World SRX Series Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on CBS. CBS.
1: You know it's awesome? I was watching the SRX series was on last weekend. They were in Eldora, Ohio. And it was awesome because Eldora is a racetrack that I spent a lot of time at as a child. So to see it on television was pretty sweet.
0: Sweet. What kind of races were uh, going on when you were going to the track?
1: Uh, Late model dirt track racing my dad and his buddy were in and i would travel with them occasionally to go to the races you know like yeah i grew up in racetracks for the most part
0: was he driving or like on the team
1: no my dad was the uh i guess (laughs) the equivalent of the 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 pit crew chief the driver was his friend jim nice nice don
0: i've known you for like 11 years have you mentioned that before
1: (laughs) i've I mean, there's a re- I, I do like racing. Yeah. I don't really watch it as closely as I used to. But Oh, the like, process you
0: know. does flirt with some, uh, some racing winners from time to time. Yeah, yeah I got gotcha. like, you. Right. Know, like the whole
1: Formula One thing that started, it's, it's not like, you know, like I was never closely paying attention to Formula One, but it's the leap to me suddenly caring about really like liking racing a lot is nothing new.
0: It's not hard. Yeah. yeah no. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, next question. Great pod, guys. Perfect for long drives to work. Question. Texas A&M under Jimbo has been... Texas A&M under Jimbo has been on the ride with a legit chance to crash the playoff. They have done this with Texas not being at peak efficiency. How? That's a listener. We've been talking about peak efficiency. <laughs> However, if Texas made the right hire with Sark, could this be the high point for the program? And if Texas is rolling, does the A&M job become harder does it become like Auburn? You can win, but it's harder. Does this eventually lead to a plateau in the program and thus also weakening the SEC West? Parentheses, Sark helping Saban out again. So the crux of the question, as I interpreted it, is if Texas AM's on the rise, does that damage Jimbo's work at Texas a and Do you think the two are related or can they both be operating at a high championship competitive level at the same time?
2: Well, history says they both really can't be at a national championship level. And I say level because obviously Texas has won, you know, what, one time in my lifetime. A&M has won no times in the combined lifetimes of all of us. Right. So I guess history would tell you that, no, they both can't be up at the same time. Um I think you have to be smart enough to admit that there's maybe some stuff you can't account for or don't know. And maybe there are some internal factors that prevent AM from getting over the hump. But I also think like it's entirely possible, given their resources, that they could get over the hump. And I don't think that they've met their ceiling yet. But the question is interesting uh, in that it implies that Texas you know, actually gets it together with, with SARG. And um, recruiting is a zero-sum game. I think, though, what would likely happen is that AM would be – probably just fine that the state of Texas would then be preventing uh, more of the players like a Jackson Smith the Jigba, or any of the guys that go to Alabama from going to Ohio State or Bama or Ole Miss and, and leaving the state of Texas. I think that's probably where the wins need to come from for them. So I think it's entirely possible they could both be really good at the same time. It doesn't necessarily put a cap on what AM can do, but it doesn't help AM. Yeah, and I will just say that I would like to see a time
1: when both Texas and Texas A&M are very good because I think that would be a lot of fun.
2: What if they played each other or something? Whoa.
0: Tom said the world would end. (laughs) 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 Uh, I say yes, and I took the suggestion of Auburn, Alabama, and, you know, while the SEC championship game being there should not represent like total peak efficiency, you know, the 2010 Auburn team obviously comes with its own, you know, Cam Newton variable to it. But, you know, the 2013 Auburn team, the 2017 uh, Auburn team, like if Alabama and Auburn can both be winning the West within the same decade a couple of times, then yeah, I absolutely think that Texas A&M and Texas could because they don't play each other as well. You know, so they could both be competing for conference championships at the same time um even with recruiting being a zero-sum game i just think the resources at both schools are too strong to be able to totally write that off
2: totally i mean if 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 two teams in florida can be good at the same time you know then two teams in texas can
0: all right um (laughs) this next question comes from i think it's erica You guys talk about mid-tier Power 5 schools a lot, but seem to never mention K-State. I know K-State has been down for a few years, but they have had a number one ranking in the last 10 years. Not saying that they should be mentioned all the time, but when was the last time Wake Forest, North Carolina, Ole Miss, Tennessee, UCLA, Arizona State, Iowa, or Wisconsin was ranked number one in the country? K-State, 2012, Week 11, BCS poll. None of those other teams have even been ranked number two as many times as K-, K State has since 2000. Can we get just a minute of K State discussion? I think and they
2: were really ranked number one. Yeah, they were.
0: I
1: th- I think we've spent a good amount of time talking about Kansas State over the years. Hell, Barton locked up you know the money line sprinkle on Kansas State beating Oklahoma two seasons ago.
0: Uh, hold on. One minute. Here's what you get. All right. All right. Chris Kleiman is a great hire, and I do think that Deuce Vaughn's one of the most exciting players in the Big 12, and there's something about the identity of if Skylar Thompson can be healthy of that offense that they can continue to be a thorn in the side of the Big 12, but I do not think that Kansas State is uniquely loaded up to make a run of the Big 12 title.
1: Kansas State Unders. Come on. They've been a principal for years. So no, I Kansas State's a good team. I love the coaching staff. I love that they, they have an identity and they know what they're doing. I just think that right now, it's going through the transition from Snyder to Kleiman, it's gonna take, you know, a little bit of a step back. Wouldn't surprise me to all if Kansas State's one of the better teams in the Big Twelve this year. It's just I don't think I think the problem for Kansas State right now. Is that Iowa State's kind of usurped its place in the Big 12 in that it's become the quote unquote, you know, rural farm school, the state school that has kind of become the threat. And I think that has hurt Kansas State. So maybe if you're a Kansas State fan, you should be pitching Matt Campbell to Michigan and other schools like
2: that. Did Tom just find a way to piss off Iowa State and Kansas State fans in one sentence? I, I love yes. it. Yes. Uh, the one thing that stands out to me about Iowa State or Kansas State, real quickly, is. Uh, Offensively, I know they had quarterback injuries last year. Their success rate compared to their explosiveness was just, it, it was astounding how different. They were 115th in success rate and 6th in explosiveness. So, like, the only way they scored <laughs> the was Deuce by Vaughn creating effect. busted, yeah, do spawn <laughs> or creating busted coverages. You know, like, they have to find a way to become more consistent. I assume that will happen with quarterback. But also, like, I don't think their line play was was really all that great last year when, when, when you look at it. Um, On either side? defensively I thought they were pretty good
0: up front but offensively I would definitely take that as a, a, a valid criticism
2: that's fair yeah um I agree with you, chip I, uh, do you think they make a bowl Kansas State yeah
1: yeah
0: yeah there's no there's no reason that I, in
1: front of me yeah there's yeah. no reason that I would confidently bet
0: there's no reason that I would confidently bet against Kansas State finding six wins in a season.
1: Let's see. They open the season with Stanford in Texas and Arlington. So, kind of a coin flip.
0: What a. F- I,
1: yeah, I have your win total at, at 5.7. So, that's basically a bowl.
0: With your yeah. numbers?
1: Yeah. Get Oklahoma State and Oklahoma back to back weeks, then a bye, then Iowa State. That is rough. But I think that, like, if they get through that little three-game stretch there, that whole Texas Tech, TCU, Kansas, West Virginia, Baylor stretch before they finish
2: with Texas, I think they can get to a bowl game. They have got to start with at least one win. You, you can't go over against Stanford and Nevada. Yeah,
0: Ag- agree. That is tough. Um, all right. If next- you win,
2: if you win both, you're sitting pretty
0: okay yeah. so we I mean that was more than a minute by the way that was more than a minute but now I we don't have to talk about him for seven months I'm, I'm too excited because we're just we're digging in after after the Iowa State this next question this next question is just all right he is all he or she has put their Twitter account and I'm just gonna tell you that they have closed the question with cyclone Twitter come at me so I'm gonna read the Twitter account now so Iowa State fans can go ahead and get it it is at CFB big 12 but 12 is XII, so at CFB, XII, Love the pod, long-time listener. Keep up the great work. The best season in ISU football history consisted of not even winning a weak Big 12 Conference Championship with OU in a down year, played COVID-depleted teams while they stayed healthy. ISU had zero positive tests all season. Actually impressive. Good on them. They didn't have to play Iowa, who Matt Campbell has never beaten, and lost by 17 at home to Louisiana. What were their biggest accomplishments from last season? Was it beating OU early, right after a down K-State team beat them at home? Or was it winning a Fiesta Bowl versus a 4-3 and Oregon team that didn't even win their division? I think ISU has a good team and a great coach and will have a successful season, but top 10, give me a break. Thoughts? Cyclone Twitter, come at me, at CFB, big, B-I-G-X-I-I.
1: I appreciate that. Um, I here's the thing: like you go through that resume, but it, you, you got to list the resumes of other top ten teams because typically, like outside of the playoff teams, you'll get teams in the top ten who have really good records. But maybe the resume kind of stands up to you know doesn't stand up to scrutiny when you really start pouring through it with a fine tooth comb and you can be like, well, they only beat this team, they only beat that team. Well, that's that tends to be how you get to the top 10. That tends to be how you win games. You can't get to the, it's hard to get to the top 10 beating Alabama every week. You know what I mean? So I, I get what you're saying, but I, I think that Iowa state probably deserved its top 10 ranking last year.
2: If you were to rank Iowa state's wins from the last decade, how many of the best wins from the last decade would have come from last year? Two. At least, right? At yeah. Least. Maybe three.
0: What would the third be?
2: Uh, the game at Texas was pretty wild. They, they thumped a decent West Virginia game. He was so proud of them that day.
1: <sighs> yeah. I mean, I think that's part of it, too, though, kind of going to the questioner's like overall point. I do think that human nature plays a part in Iowa State's ranking in that nobody expects it. So like they get kind of when they do pull off a season like that, there is some sort of like affection towards it because they are the underdog. They are the Cinderella. So maybe that inflates the ranking a little bit. But I as much as I kind of question Iowa State as a legit contender in the Big 12, I don't have a problem with where they've been ranked. And it's funny because we mentioned last year, I felt like at times. This was a team whose record was, you know, seven and five, but they were much better than that seven and five record indicated. And I felt last year with their record, but they weren't as good as their record indicated. And it was kind of just like a balancing out in my eyes.
0: In uh, the CBS Sports post spring top 25, to your point, there aren't a lot of perfect like resumes the post spring huh. top 25 for this upcoming season Iowa state is number six wow that that is really high for Iowa state but North Carolina is number seven North Carolina mm-hmm. was eight and four last year um Oregon is number eight as we the listener mentioned Oregon was four and they three last beat year Iowa state yeah Wisconsin number 12 I mean they had you know have COVID issues um so I I think I think you're right once you get Outside of Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Georgia, then it, you, we could pick apart pretty much anyone's uh, resume from there. If we're talking about where their status is, looking at last year going into the twenty twenty one season,
2: they had a great year. <laughs> like, like, like the, our our hate for Iowa State is only the, our questioning of, of like how much how much more they could actually improve on, mm-hmm. given their talent level.
0: My, um, I'm my, not
2: knocking their twenty twenty at all.
0: My, mine is mostly performative. I just think it's a really fun battle and storyline and show within the show kind of, uh, kind of in an interaction that we have with our listenership. All right. Uh, this question comes from Seth. We'll make this the last one. Uh, love this pod. It's fantastic. I never miss an episode. Why isn't there more hype around JJ McCarthy? I thought five-star QBs were rare. Am I mistaken? I think he will be the missing piece for Gattis' offense and really lead the dirt bike army into the promised land. Would love to hear the pod's thoughts. Just curious, how many questions are in the mailbag? Sorry, I have questions through. I have questions throughout your pods. Unlimited resources was deemed you. Unlimited resources was deemed USC the top dogs. Why wouldn't UCLA have much more success with the public school versus private? All right, sorry, we're only going to JJ McCarthy, Seth. That was too many questions. You caught me off guard, but. J.J. McCarthy is, yes, he uh, is a five-star freshman. He was on campus for spring ball. Why is there not more hype around him uh, going into the 2021 season?
1: I don't know. Uh, There's, I think part of it is the fact that with, COVID having that kind of impact there's not as close of media coverage of like the spring practices that maybe you typically get in a normal year to help build some of that hype and I also think that part of it is probably Michigan kind of trying to control that narrative and that hype around it because they maybe they don't want to put it on his shoulders of J.J. McCarthy is the savior you know like Harbaugh was the savior and we've seen how that's gone they don't want to put that kind of thing on his shoulders this quickly and I don't from what I've some people I've talked to they're pleased. They're optimistic about it. Nobody's a hundred percent sure if he's going to start the season as a starter, but most people I talked to seem to think he's going to get a lot of playing time. If not, eventually take over the starting role before the season's over.
0: So I, my response was that there's Caden McNamara is still there and yeah, you, you don't want to like bury that guy or get him like jumping into the transfer portal. I, they play Washington and
1: it's a genuine competition.
0: Yeah. You, You might need Cade McNamara to be able to go out there and start the season against Jimmy Lake's Huskies defense. So that, to me, and there was a little bit of hype. Do you all remember the end zone camera? Like Michigan didn't have a spring game on television, but they released like spring highlights. And like J.J. McCarthy on the move, making the off-platform throw that we all love. Um, But yeah, there hasn't been a ton of hype.
2: Are you in on McCarthy, Bud? I think he's a pretty good player. Um, I just don't think McNamara is that bad. Yeah, that's right? part of well, it too. Like, like he didn't kill it, but he has a whole year under his belt in the system. McCarthy has a couple of months, a couple of spring practices. I, I just don't. I don't go in there assuming that that you know, McCarthy is somebody who, like, to me, he's not a transcendent. Everybody else, get the hell out of the way. You know, Justin Fields. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, I guess Georgia didn't get everybody else the hell out of way for, for Justin Fields and they, they screwed that up. Uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence type. I think he's one of these quarterbacks that we have put a really good rating on. I think he's a really good quarterback, but he's not somebody who just you clear the deck for. I don't think. I think he's going to have to go out there and earn it.
0: How many, about how many five star quarterbacks are there in cl- from year to year in classes? Because he said, are five star quarterbacks rare? And my initial answer was no, only because. I, I think that anecdotally you're going to have what at least three.
2: Yeah, uh, on average. Well, okay, the range is basically I think like zero to five. I'm trying to think if we've ever had more than five. There has to be a year where, where we've had more than five. This year so far we have four. Um Looking back at at, at prior years here, but I, Chip, I think your guess of three is is pretty pretty solid to be honest. Uh, last year we had last year we had five. Right, it was Caleb. Sam Heward, Vandergriff, McCarthy, and Cord. Um, I don't think we had nearly as many the prior year. Uh, Now, keep in mind, we do care about where guys go in the draft, and quarterbacks are overdrafted in the draft, but we only had two uh, the year where we had Bryce and DJ. Um, And then CJ was, you know, CJ Stroud was third. Yeah, he, he was really, really high, but he wasn't, you know, quite there in that five star range, according to some outlets. And then we had two the year before. So, like, on average, three is, is pretty solid, you know? Um, and Bo Nix was right there on the cusp. Like, he was barely in the five. He was the last five-star.
0: And if there's three every single year among, you know, 32, when there's 22 positions on the field. I don't know not true, 22 positions on the field. But, like, I, I don't think they're rare, right? Like, like are five-star quarterbacks rare? No because we've got I mean, a couple t- every single year and if you've got a couple every single year then in college football at any given time you've got 9 to 12 five star prospects that are out there on rosters
2: uh, right so i guess it depends on on how do you define the word rare i mean if if you say three out of i mean how many kids sign scholarships every year between you know fbs and fcs scholarships and some D 2 stuff like 4 or 5000 kids you know, potentially like mm-hmm. then yes, in that sense, they're rare. Uh, how, how often is a program going to get a five-star QB? Like the best programs probably get them you know, a little more than once a decade. The other programs get them probably once every 20 years. So like they're rare from that standpoint, but they're not rare on a year to year basis, right? It, it's, it's not like, you know, Mars passing in front of the sun or I don't know, just pick some astrology thing that, that is actually rare. Um,
1: Yeah. Also, Going back to your point earlier too, Bud, if the Chicago Bears are listening, always remember that Georgia didn't play Justin Fields right away and it was a mistake. Ohio State did play him right away and it was great. Just is saying. he going to start
2: for them, Yeah, I assume? Uh, they
1: keep saying oh, Tom's no. face is concerned. They keep saying no. They keep saying that Andy Dalton's their starter. But there's also like well, no, he's going to get a lot of snaps in practice. So I think that they're saying no, but I think that they would love if Justin Fields plays well enough in camp and in the preseason to just take it.
0: I think Justin Fields wants to take it and I I hope he does. And I think that Justin Fields versus Andy Dalton, that that should be, if, if Justin Fields wants it, buddy, you've got a lot of advantages in this quarterback battle. You can really go and get this. Um, Will be interesting. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at Bud Elliott 3. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. We'll be back next week with the coaching staff draft. That's right, wrapping up draft season. It's trying to build out our favorite staffs. And Dennis Dodd's hot seat list will be coming out. So we will be breaking that down as well. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. All right.